Hello and welcome to Theology Matters. This is Dr. John Clark. And so today we're going to continue our study on false gospel response cliches. And we've been looking at the false gospel response cliche of repentance from your sin or repent of your sin. Again, as I've mentioned before, a great resources, resource on this topic is a book written by Michael Kokoris entitled Repentance, the Most Misunderstood Word in the Bible. Would highly recommend that you own a copy of that book. Um, and what we've been looking at is how Christian organizations and some of the leading proponents of this view communicate the meaning of the word repentance. And one of the things that we, we always see is they try to associate the word repentance with sin um, as if it's an automatic connection. And biblically, we don't believe it is. It's, it's a change of mind. What you change your mind about can vary based on context. The other thing that we've seen in all of these faulty definitions is that they they always begin with the change of mind, which is the biblical meaning, but then they always equate it or tie it to a change of conduct. And they basically say, if you have a true change of mind, you will for sure have a change of conduct. And we know that that doesn't work uh, biblically. We can point out examples. We can point out examples in our natural life. And last time I point out that New Year's resolutions is a great example of this. We change our mind. We've got to start eating better. We've got to start working out. We've got to stop watching so much TV. And we make this New Year's resolution, or people do, and oftentimes they don't follow through. Does that mean that they really didn't change their mind about it? No, they, they probably changed their mind about it, but then they probably changed their mind again and said, you know, I'm waking up at 6 a.m. to go do this is for the birds. And so they said, I, I'd rather have sleep, although this is important to me, I'd rather sleep. And so we see that that doesn't always lead to a change of behavior. And many times these false uh, response cliches, when they include repentance, they equate those two. Now, this session, I want to look at the word etymology and the word usage and just kind of talk about how do we, how do words mean what they mean? How do we know what they mean? And so to start off, it, it may surprise you to learn that the phrase repent of your sins or repent from your sins is not found anywhere in the Bible. You know, that may be shocking for somebody, but, but look for the phrase yourself and especially in the better Bible translations like you know the King James the New King James and NASB the ESV the NIV more more of the the accepted translations that we have in our day that are based on scholarship look in there you'll never find the phrase repent of your sins or repent from your sins in fact the word of God does not demand repentance from sins in order to be saved but we will say this, every person who has ever believed upon Jesus Christ has repented of something. What do we mean by that? Well, let's let's keep talking here. The the word itself is metanaeo. That's the verb form or metanoia. And it's made up of two words, meta meaning change of place or condition. Naeo means to exercise the mind, to think or to comprehend. So to repent means to change the mind. It means an afterthought. It means having a thought that's different from the former thought, a change of mind. And so some faulty and yet common definitions that we've been looking at uh, from the different Christian organizations and leading proponents is they try to include concepts of feeling sorry for your sins. So they try to include emotion into the definition. Uh, they, they talk about turning 180 degrees. They talk about turning from sin and turning to God. And yet the Greek word itself means to change 
your mind. And so let's consider a, a really brief history of the the use of the word repent in the Greek, Greek language. You know, it's not it's not just good to take our modern day understanding of a word and try to read it back into the biblical text. The goal is to find out what did the original author mean when they used that word for the original audience. And just to give an example of how word meanings have developed um, and they change over time, our goal is to get back to the original meaning of what the biblical authors understood the word to mean. And just as an example, if if you were to um, find uh, a letter, uh, a, a letter that hadn't been found, it was written by George Washington's mother to him. And, and this is dated, you know, back uh, to the to the 1700s, late 1700s. And we find this letter and she says to George, she says, I didn't know that you were such a gay young man. Now, we would never read back into that letter that George Washington was a homosexual. We just wouldn't do it because we have an understanding that the word gay at that point in history did not carry the connotation of homosexuality. It carried the the meaning that he was a happy young man. Um, a, another example of how word meaning changes depending on context and in in utilizing context to understand what the original author meant. Um, give you an example. What does the word trunk mean? T R U N K. What does that mean? Well, it could be the trunk of a car. It could be the trunk of an elephant. It could be a, a trunk of clothes where you store clothing. It could be a swimming trunk or a swimming suit. And so historical context and use helps us determine the meaning. If, if you know, a trunk of a car, understanding the word trunk to refer to the trunk of a car would be a wrong understanding for the meaning of the word for any use prior to 1885, which is when the first car was invented. And so um, we've got to understand that and take that into consideration when we look at word meaning. And so that's what I want to do with the Greek word metanoia or metanaeo. And the first usage I want to look at um, is the classical usage from about 900 BC to 300 BC. And again, I'm taking all of this information from that resource I gave you by Michael Kokoris on repentance, uh, the most misunderstood word in the Bible. And so when we look at the meaning of the word in that time period, it's known as the classical Greek time period, 900 to 300 BC, we see that both uh, Plato and Xenophon use the word to mean a change, changing of one's mind. Uh, the meaning for uh, Thucydides was an afterthought. In fact, this gentleman, Thucydides, uh, Thucydides writes of a revolt in the city of Metellene that the Athenian council had to address. On first judgment, the council decided to kill everybody in the city, not just the ones revolting. And so you've got this revolt and the Athenian council said, you know what, let's just kill the whole city. Then the next morning, they were said to have repented. They, they changed their mind and they decided to kill just the participants in the revolt. And so we see usage in the classical area era. Now we move to the Koine era. This is 300 BC to about 100 AD. And this is in the time of the biblical writers of the New Testament. We see that Polybius in describing the Dardani people's plan to attack Macedonia while Philip was away used repentance to describe the Dardani's change of plans when Philip quickly returned before they could strike. And so they had a plan to attack 
Philip returned quickly. They repented or changed their mind about this attack. Really fascinating story is is uh, a story that Plutarch tells of of a, of Sipsilis, who was a baby, who as a baby was supposed to be slaughtered by a few men sent to kill him. As they came to Sipsilis as a baby, he smiled at them, and the men changed their minds or repented and decided not to kill him. Then after they had left, had time to think about it some more, they changed their minds again. They repented again, the text tells us, and they decided to find him again so that they could kill him. But they were not able to find him the second time. And so obviously he grew up. But it's interesting there that repentance is used of something good and it's used of something evil in the same context. And so it reflects a change of mind. Then we move to the Septuagint usage. And this is, again, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. And what we find is that 20 occurrences of the word repent and repentance is used in the Septuagint. 13 of the 20 pertain to God repenting or not repenting. Four occur in the book of Proverbs and involve people thinking or changing their mind about something. And then three others involve sinners changing their minds about the nature of God or their sin. And so Again, we see that repentance doesn't always have to do with sin, um, and it and it doesn't always result in a change of behavior. Although uh, it, the meaning is a change of mind, and that's what we see consistently communicated uh, for the use of this word during this time period, especially of the biblical authors. And so, it kind of begs the question: What went wrong? Um, if why is it so confused and jumbled today? Well, uh, it all probably started with a level of false teaching and the false teaching that probably led to this jumbled understanding of repentance started with the fact that that early on in the church with the church fathers they began to teach that original sin and all sins committed prior to baptism were removed by baptism because of this belief people waited until they were near death to be baptized so they thought well how do i get rid of original sin and then all the sins that i've committed up to this point in time well i get water baptized and so people started saying well maybe i ought to wait toward the end of my life to get water baptized to take care of all those sins to make sure that i go to heaven so now there was a reaction to that false teaching and the reaction was it was um, another faulty view, kind of a pendulum swing. And what they taught was that repentance was the cure for post-baptismal sins. So repentance by this definition, according to this thinking, involved feeling sorry for and confessing post-baptismal sins, as well as doing acts of penance. Actually, including works or acts of penance, a change of behavior. And so people would now get baptized when they when they um, wanted to have original sin and all of their sins committed taken care of. But then how do they deal with ongoing sin in their life? They would have to do acts of penance or feel sorry for their sin. To reflect this theology, what we find is that the Greek words for repent and repentance, metanoia, when they were translated into Latin, they were translated by Latin words, meaning do acts of penance or acts of penance. And so when Jerome, who produced the Latin Vulgate translation of the Bible, uh, translated this word, he practiced, or he retained the practice of translating repent as do acts of penance. And so our modern understanding of repentance comes largely from this, this Latin word, 
um, which means to be sorry again. And because the Latin translation known as the Vulgate became the standard translation for many centuries, this caused a shift in the meaning of repent from change of mind to sorrow for sin, which is stuck for the most part in our day. In fact, John Wycliffe, while translating the first English Bible, we, we know from his from records that he relied more heavily on the Latin Vulgate than he did on the original Hebrew and Greek texts. The Roman Catholic Douay version also did the same. And so we see this carryover in associating uh, with the word repentance, uh, not only a change of mind, but also uh, a change of behavior, um, works, good works, and acts of penance. So why is this so important? especially as it relates to gospel clarity. Well, there's some additional points to ponder in relation to the usage of the word repent. What people change their mind about is not in or implied by the word repent itself. Repent can be used of sin or it can be used of something good. I could use the biblical word of repentance to say, you know, when I woke up this morning, I had decided I was going to eat fruity pebbles for breakfast. But then when I got to the cupboard, I noticed that my Fruity Pebbles box was low and I repented and I cracked a couple eggs on the stove. I, I changed my mind. That has nothing to do with sin. It's not sinful to eat Fruity Pebbles. It has to do with the idea that I changed my mind as to what I was going to eat for breakfast. And when we look at every verse in the Bible that uses the word repent, it's going to tell you who specifically needed to change their mind or thinking and what they needed to change their mind or thinking about. And we'll kind of look at some examples in the next session. You know, the moment that you believed in Christ, you changed your mind about what you used to believe in, and you decided to believe exclusively in Jesus Christ. And what that implies is that um, no person is a blank slate before salvation. They are trusting in something or someone. Now, Every person has some kind of false hope that they rely on for salvation or or even a false hope that gives them reason to ignore the issue of salvation altogether. Therefore, a change of mind will occur prior to someone trusting exclusively in Jesus Christ. Again, repentance is a change of mind, not a change of conduct. Repentance is not a work that you add to your salvation. And so in terms of gospel clarity, we can see why the phrase repent of your sins or repent from your sins is so problematic. And we'll consider some biblical examples in the next session. <laughs>